here we have uh, a spiritual process passed down to us through the teachings of Srimad Bhagavatam Bhagavad Gita. These are essential books of spiritual knowledge that show us how to utilize our lives in such a way as to come to a full realization of our spiritual nature, which includes our relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna. So our founder, Acharya, is named Srila A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, whose image we see here on this ornate seat called the Vyasasana, Vyasadev, whose uh, seat we're referring to, and asana is a seat, and the Vyasasana means the seat of Vyas. One who sits on that seat is meant to represent Vyas, who is the incarnation, literary incarnation of Krishna, who brings knowledge to this world so that we can perfect our lives. And the International Society for Krishna Consciousness was founded in 1965, and soon afterwards uh, spread to every continent of the world, although it seems that we do have an opening in Antarctica, if anybody's interested. I know I am, not necessarily going there, but in connecting to somebody there. So we invite anyone with such ambitions to conquer a new continent check with me after class. Now, um, in our organization, we emphasize following the letter of the law as set down in the ancient books of wisdom. As an example, the Bhagavad Gita is a well-known and standard book of spiritual knowledge. It was spoken by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, to his student, Arjuna, 5,000 years ago. And anyone who reads the book, even now, will have direct access to the teacher, Krishna, through his words. This is one of the fascinating aspects of the spiritual practice, and that is that the personalities who are teaching are absolute. So when you read Bhagavad Gita and Krishna is speaking and he refers to himself as me, as in Sanskrit, mom, everyone say mom, mom. me, then he's actually personally present there in that, in that pronoun. And when someone refers to him as he or him, You'll notice it's capitalized in our version. And he's actually personally present in that pronoun. He's there on the page, present. Because ultimately, Krishna is the source of everything, and it's all his energy, so it's all interconnected with him, and he's an absolute person. Now, the Bhagavad Gita teaches that we are not our physical bodies or mental bodies, but we're passing through this lifetime. And that 
the state of our consciousness when we leave this body will determine the kind of facility we get on our next body. And therefore, it's incumbent upon those who wish to avoid the cycle of suffering uh, uh, through which we're obligated to take one physical material body, a material body, uh, one body after another, due to the errant consciousness, which means that we skew our consciousness away from its original natural state, which is to be directed towards thinking of the Supreme and also to serving the Supreme. And ultimately the solution to life's problems is simple, but maybe not so easy to apply sometimes. It takes some spiritual strength to apply it. The easy solution is given in the teachings of the Srimad Bhagavatam, which say that the problem that I create for myself is forgetting God, and that the solution is to remember him again. That sounds pretty simple, right? So the practices of bhakti are all centered around remembering Krishna, who's the name for the Supreme. And in fact, some of the most recent teachers of bhakti have said that out of all the rules and regulations given in the ancient scriptures, and there are numerous, there are only two that are ultimately important. And the first one is to always remember Krishna, and the second is to never forget Krishna. And all the other rules and regulations are servants of these two principles. So the process that the founder and teacher of this organization envisioned for people in general was, was simple also. How to stay constantly in remembrance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And he talks about this in a very important verse in the eighth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. And I'll just give a little summary of what he says. So, first of all, he, Krishna, mentions that whatever one remembers when he or she quits this body, he or she will attain in the next life. <clears throat> and then he says, Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mamanusmaradyudyacha mayarpita manobudhir mami vaishyasya samshayaha. Which means, Therefore, tasmat means therefore, tasmat sarveshu, at all, in all places, kaleshu means in all times, in all places in all times, tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mam anusmara yudhicha. You should remember me, in all times in all places, and it's remember in the context of Krishna teaching his student, which is on a battlefield. And he's about to go into the battle, and Krishna's encouraging them not to quit the battle, but to go into the battle, but at the same time while he's fighting, which is his duty, that is the, the duty of the, the student Arjuna, that he should remember Krishna. So here's the translation. Therefore, Arjuna, you should always think of me in the form of Krishna, and at the same time carry out your prescribed duty of fighting with your activities dedicated to me, and your mind and intelligence fixed on me, 
you'll attain me without a doubt. So now name three of what you consider the most essential points in this. We have a couple microphones. Just look at it and say, what are the three most important points? But just give one. Don't give them all. Because sharing means caring. Yeah, Think of me in the form of Krishna. Think of me in the form of Krishna. Okay, that's one very essential point. Yes, Ananda Murari. Um, while we're thinking of of God as Krishna, rather than like the impersonal feature, uh, we should simultaneously be carrying out our prescribed duties. Yeah, so this is important because oftentimes when we talk about spiritual practice, people think it means I have to quit what I'm doing now. So at the same time, carry a prescribed duty of fighting. So we may not be soldiers fighting, but we may have other duties to do. We do. Uh, you may be a student or you may be an engineer. Did I cover 99% of everybody in the room? And so <laughs> then you're to carry out your prescribed duty, but at the same time, think of the form of Krishna. Okay, a couple more essential points. I know I said three, but I think we can squeeze four. Keep your activities dedicated to Krishna? Yeah, the word dedication is very important. So there are three general paths that are conceived of when it comes to uh, expending one's energy in life. One is the path of karma, which is sometimes known as elevationism. There's a, a way that I'm working to manipulate my environment so I get a better situation. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, everyone's doing that to some degree or another. And this is a, a way someone might dedicate him or herself. So what might that include in order to try to get a better situation for oneself in this world? You don't know how to do it? Yes. Investing money in stock markets. Where are you going to get the money? <laughs> First, you got to work hard, right? Yeah. Unless you <laughs> yeah, inherit work, work it. Hard. Yeah, okay. Investing or uh, working hard to get money. or And some of these things are necessary just to stay alive. But the idea that I'll improve my life in such a way that I'll be permanently in a good situation. In fact, there's a, the Mimamsakas have this idea that through the Vedic rituals, there are ways that we can harmonize with the forces of nature and we can continually do this through sacrifices and through the right mantras so that we can stay in the best of circumstances in the material world hopefully in a better neighborhood than in a worse one this is a, a, a full-time dedication for some people whether it's through the Vedic path or just in the hard struggle to try to find to get a better rickshaw I don't want to pedal anymore. I would like to have a gas rickshaw. And then, wait a minute, now there's an electric one. So uh, always adjusting one's material situation. And then there's a, a sense that might arise in the heart of one who's struggling for this when things don't work out. And how frequently don't things work out in the material world? Like as a percentage. I'm talking about the ultimate issue. Huh? 
as a percentage of time. In the ultimate issue, 100% they don't work out. Because no matter how well you organize things, ultimately, the deck gets reshuffled. You go, sorry. It all has to be given up, start over. So some people might conclude then, the better idea then, instead of the path of investment in comforts of the world or trying to position myself or elevate myself in this world is just to give up the world altogether. And that might include ideas like, I won't desire anything anymore. Okay, let's just try it for about 30 seconds. I'll time us. And everyone close your eyes. First of all, don't think of anything. And second of all, don't desire anything. Are you ready? Yes. Only two people said yes. yes. You all, the rest of you think I'm just joking. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Close your eyes and don't desire and don't think. On your mark, get set, stop thinking. If there's any noises, just let them merge. Merge into oneness now. Okay, if that worked out for you, then you just keep doing that permanently. Is that okay? <laughs> sure, it's fine until prasadam. <laughs> so Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita he says, Nahi kashit shanamapi jatu tishtatya karma krit karyate hyavasha karma sarva prakriti jayargunai. He says, you can't do that. There's no way you can stop thinking. There's no way you can stop desiring or acting because that's the nature of the living force, always active. So the idea that I'll give up all desire or even activity is a non-starter. Because ultimately, even if I attain some sense of equilibrium in, the, in that I, I don't want anything in the material world anymore, unless I get to higher ground and I experience what's called rasa, and I'll talk about that in a minute, which means a relationship that's very sweet, then I'm going to come looking for it later. Did you ever sit in a plane for too long and you just wanted to get on the ground again? Did it ever happen to you? I remember coming back from Japan once and we were coming back into California. It was beautiful and green. We'd been in the air for 10 hours and then the pilot said, hey, we're coming down into terra firma in just a few minutes. I thought that's a pretty suave saying we're going to land in San Francisco. But I looked out and I was thinking, terra firma, wow, that's nice. And yeah, there's a planet. And California's kind of beautiful. And I, just, I just want to get out and see the trees, breathe a little natural air, interact with a few humans, get away from all the TV screens that are plastered on every single seat in the airplane. And there's a way that uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, one of the quintessential teachings of Bhakti Yoga, says that no one can stay permanently in equilibrium without desiring and wanting interaction and especially relationship. So those who attained some kind of imagined deliberation, we did it for 30 seconds and I think you did really well. But you can't stay there. Even if you stay for 300 years like that in a, in a cave, suspend your breathing, go underwater. There was a, a yogi named Sobari Muni and he was able to stay underwater and meditate because a little, I guess, a little less uh, 
fewer disturbances under there. Cell phones don't work underwater. So, so far we know. And, uh, but eventually he gave it up, came out into the world, started a huge family, had to go to Home Depot three times a week. And so the Bhagavatam says in, in very direct kind of language, Aruya Kirch Chena Parampatam Tata Patantyato Nadrita Yushman Angreya, that you may imagine that you're liberated and that you're not going to touch anything anymore because every time that you do it, you know that sign says you, you break it, you buy it. There was a brahmachari in the ashram used to have a, a nice tape recorder. It says, you break, you buy. <laughs> so everything has that sign on it in the material world. And so you can't stay. Uh, he, the Bhagavatam says it's a lot of hard work to try to maintain that. Aruya Krishchena, hard work, and then Patantyada, again, you'll fall back down for that and come to the material world. So now we come to the middle path, Krishna says, dedication, that Anushri brought up. Uh, when you're dedicated to something that's uh, virtuous, and this is the best thing one can dedicate oneself to, is uh, the Supreme. So that's bhakti. Instead of renouncing the world, which is also ludicrous because it doesn't belong to us, uh, or trying to exploit the world or to claim it as my own, which is also ludicrous because it's not ours, one dedicates oneself to the Supreme through bhakti. And now we'll read the purport because you're going to be surprised when you hear this of what the process is. Nobody's saying you have to quit your work. But you do have to remember God while you're working. And here's the purport. It'll appear like magic in two seconds of Brahma. Purport, this instruction to Arjuna is very important for all men engaged in material activities. The Lord does not say that one should give up his prescribed duties or engagements. One can continue to them and at the same time think of Krishna by chanting Hare Krishna. What just happened? What did you hear? Did you learn any secrets? Yeah. About the path of dedication. One doesn't have to leave one's duty. One can still continue doing it, but at the same time one can chant Hare Krishna. Yeah. That's it. That's the formula. This instruction to Arjuna is very important for all men engaged in material activities. And as long as you're in the material world, there's going to be some material activities. The Lord does not say that one should give up his prescribed duties or engagements. One can continue them and at the same time think of Krishna by chanting Hare Krishna. This will free one from material contamination and engage the mind and intelligence in Krishna. By chanting Krishna's names, one will be transferred to the supreme planet, Krishna Loka, without a doubt. So what else did you hear? There was a lot more in there, but just... I give three more essential points that you heard. Yes, Nandamari, you got to be fast. The Nandamari's the fastest. <laughs> the um, that the mind and intelligence can easily be contaminated uh, by material contamination. Yes, the mind and intelligence can become contaminated, and this is something that Krishna brings up in the third chapter of the Bhagavad Gita when he describes how there's a hierarchy. 
starts with the senses. Above the senses is the mind. Above the mind is the intelligence. And above the intelligence is the soul. And Prabhupada describes how kama or lust is a kind of energy that is generated from the modes of nature, the mode of nature called Rajaguna, that then agitates the, the senses, the minds, the intelligence to think of how to enjoy matter, which is really uh, an absurd proposition. We never even get to touch matter. It appears we are, but we're just seeing a reflection of the world in our mind, and we're imagining as if in a virtual experience that we're enjoying it. It's like in a dream. So that's a problem. Krishna describes yehi samsparsha bhoga dukha yonaya evate adyantavantakonteya nate shuramate buddha. That because I'm dealing with an inferior energy and it's constantly changing, it doesn't stay the same. I can never quite capture it, and I can't hold it. And when I try to enjoy it, as soon as I try to enjoy it, I become degraded, and I get the opposite of what I was hoping for, which was some kind of pleasure. So therefore, this uh, contamination can come into the senses, it can come into the mind, and into the intelligence. And we see that uh, when the intelligence becomes overrun, by the desire to enjoy the material world, then we can come up with individually or collectively as a society a lot of really bad ideas about how to enjoy the material world. Why are they bad? Because the two things don't go together. The idea of happiness and enjoyment and the idea of exploiting the material world. I'll try to give you an example. And that is uh, one that Prabhupada often gives that I use my intelligence to try to ward off any other enemies, and then I come up with a, a nuclear device. And through that nuclear device, which is troublesome to make and to store, if I actually ever set it off, then it wrecks it for everybody, because we all live downstream. Or you might come up with something like a weed killer that um, poisons the food supply. And, and numerous other bad ideas that, that come when the intelligence is overcome by this desire to enjoy the material world and manipulate it in certain ways. So one has to purify the intelligence and the mind and the senses of this contamination. And that can be done by performing activities with the senses which are meant to serve Krishna. That's also called devotional service. In fact, it's mentioned by one of the greatest teachers of bhakti, Rupa Goswami, who was a direct disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He writes in his book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, uh, uh, the following verse, Sarvopati vanirmuktam tatpratvena nirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevanam bhakti ruchite. That bhakti means to engage one's senses in the service of the master of the senses. And when you do that, then they become purified. So purifying the senses of contamination is the 
solution to the problem that I have, which is to be connected to the material uh, world through the intelligence, through the mind, and through the senses. Okay, what else did you hear from that one passage? Just give a couple more thoughts. You can put it back up on the board so everyone can review it. Yes. To go back home to Goloka. What about by, it? By chanting Hare Krishna mantra. So if you chant Hare Krishna, you go back to Goloka Vrindavan. So the, the emphasis here, it's a simple process, is on chanting Hare Krishna. And so this is called Nam Tattva, or the truth about the name of God. And the name of God is the same as God. There's no difference at all. So when you say Krishna, Krishna's personally present. He's essentially dancing on one's tongue. And then the mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Uh, this mantra is um, a direct manifestation, a direct appearance of Krishna and his internal energies. So internal energy is called hara, and in the vocative form, prayerful form of the word, it's hare. And then Krishna means God, the supreme personality of God, who is all attractive, and Rama means the highest spiritual pleasure. So this is a formula, the mantra, and if you, if you sing the mantra or say it out loud, then you'll be in direct contact with the supreme. And one of the meanings of the mantra is, oh, Lord, oh, energy of the Lord, please engage me in your service. You can ask for service by chanting the, the mantra. And if you can get some service, as I mentioned before, you can engage your senses in service. They'll become purified. Then you become happy. Happiness comes from being spiritually advanced. And misery comes from forgetting about Krishna and letting your spiritual life go and just fade away. You can't make it in the material world, no matter how hard you try. So you might as well not try so hard. It's my opinion. Um, okay, so do you have any other points? Yes. Hare Krishna Maharaj, I have a question. Uh, this was uh, so prominently uh, gave the stress on Krishna as a form. Um, we had an association of devotees yesterday. We were discussing this point. Uh, when for people who get attracted to the Brahman effulgence and they go don't reach the form yet, and they eventually merge with the Brahman effulgence. How do they come back? Because the idea is that they merge and they lose their identity, but there might be few who would still come back on the earthly planets to develop that and then go back to Godhead. Uh, the question is, if they have merged and they've lost their identity, uh, like how do they come back? Well, one way is if we take a Sankirtan Harinam party, that's in the Briyat Bhagavatamrita. Lord Shiva has his own Harinam party. He takes through the Brahma Jyoti. And if the souls can hear that, then Yadabhaso Pyudnyan Kabalita Bhava Dvanta Vibhavo Drishan Tatvandanam Apitishati Bhakti Pranayinim. If a, a soul that's blind to the truth or not connected right now to Krishna through consciousness, Here's the holy name, that vibration awakens the sense of bhakti automatically. It's so powerful, Hare Krishna. I know what happened to me. I heard the Hare Krishna mantra and I just, 
I couldn't tell what it was, but something was stirring in me. And I heard it a few more times, and I was like, what is that? It's Krishna. It's the spiritual world calling to us. Uh, and so the souls can hear that. So we should have Harinam in the Brahma Jyoti as much as possible. And, and just philosophically, there's, as I mentioned before, Krishna said, nahi kashit shanamapi, the soul ultimately is an individual. You may merge, but at some point, who knows how many billions of eons it might be, there's a, a stirring in the, it's in the nature of the soul to perform activity, especially service. That's, that's the dharma or the inherent nature of the soul. Sanatana Goswami describes the soul's in the Brahma Jyoti, uh, from the point of view of a Vaishnava, and he says, actually, they are doing some service there because they sparkle. And there, there's a conceivable form of the impersonal aspect of the Lord, and those souls, jivas who are sparkling, are sort of decorating them, kind of like the altar. Little lights, little Christmas lights, or Diwali lights, something to that nature, but this is the point of view of the Bhagavatam, that eventually uh, they won't stay in that position. After all, we're eternal. That's a long time, right? You try to think about that. How long is eternal? Set your watch for it. And within that context of eternality, really it's no context because it's forever. There's... Uh, <clears throat> there is the truth of the living entity. The living entity is a tattva. That means it's, it's a categorical truth. As it's mentioned in the Vishnu Purana, Vishnu Shakti Para Prokta, Shetra Gyakya Tata Para, Avidya Karma Sangyangya, Tritya Shakti Ishate. There's three distinct categories or tattvas of energy. And one of them is the soul. And the soul can either be engaged in material activities or can go into the spiritual energy. But he's not fully satisfied until he's in rasa. He has to have rasa. So the, the, the Vaishnavas, who are demigods, who are praying to Lord Krishna within the womb when he's just about to appear, uh, give this verse. Yene ravindakshavamuktamaninas tvayastabhavat avashudha buddhaya aruya krishena parambhadam tata patantyato nadrita yushmadangraya that somebody may emerge into the Supreme, but then unless they can come to a relationship with the person, then they'll fall back down from that. The only thing that will maintain the living entity is the relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The rasa. And that, as I promised earlier, I'll just reference Bhagavad Gita because Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavad Gita, Vishaya vinivartante nirahara sadehina rasavarjam raso pyasya param drishma nivartate. That's, <clears throat> at first if somebody restrains one's senses from sense objects, knowing that it's a, it creates an unfavorable result by mixing uh, for sense gratification in the material world, so I withhold. I delay gratification. 
but I'm still thinking about it. I still, I'm, I, I still want to eat a gallon of ice cream with a spoon sitting in a corner somewhere. Uh, but I'm restraining myself because I think, well, what if, I, if I do that, I don't know what's going to happen. Or I do, that's why I don't eat it. So then uh, later on, if you get a higher taste, then it's, you don't even think of it anymore. So uh, one has, and that rasam, vishaya vinivartante nirahara sedehina rasavarjam raso pyasya param rishra nivartate. You have to get a, a higher taste. You have to see something that's better. So Krishna consciousness is, is uh, meant for us to see something, to taste something, to feel something, to experience something that's better. And how do we know it? We know it. So we're living entities. We're smart. Right? Say yes. yes. Okay. We're smart because we know what we like. We, we want happiness. Living entities just want to have fun. Ananda mayo byasat. And... When we find real happiness, real fun, it's in, in the Brahman, Brahman energy, spiritual energy. And it has to have the full feature of the Supreme for us to enter into rasa, where we're getting the, highest, the higher taste. And then, then we're fully satisfied. So that's why we have deity worship, to uh, reawaken our connection with the form of Krishna, we want aesthetic beauty. That's not available in Brahman. It's featureless. And we want also service. This is an elevated form of spirituality. There are different rasas or relationships we can have with the Supreme. The first one is really kind of on the cusp of real rasa. It's called Shantaras. It means that I'm no longer enchanted with enjoying the material world. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in the supreme cause of all causes, and it, I may have a slightly more—I may have slightly more attraction to the impersonal aspect of the Lord, of His energies and His internal uh, light. But then, when one's moved by gratitude to think, how can I do some service to the supreme? Then one enters into the the really substantial. Relationships. The first one is called dasya, which means, can I bring him something? So you can't bring anything to the Brahman. There's no one to give it to, no mouth to, to, to taste something. I read in the Bhagavad Gita when I first got it from a friend at school, and I was carrying an apple to school, and I had just read that verse, Patram Pushpam Palam Toyam. You know the verse? If you offer me love and devotion, a leaf or flower, fruit, or water, I'll accept it. And it intrigued me. I thought, I'd like to try it. So I stopped, stopped on the hill on the way to Del Valle High School. The place is still there, actually. I went to check it out during the pandemic. And I walked up that hill. I pulled the apple out, and I said, you know, would you accept this? And, and I just, I felt some ananda because I thought, like, I can offer something to the Supreme. And uh, we find this in the ancient Upanishads. Hiranmayena patrena satyasya pihitambukam tatvam pushanapavrenu satyadharmayadrushite. There's a way in which the, the devotee's praying that I want to see 
your face beyond the effulgence. He's praying for that. And one of the reasons is the devotees want to feed, feed Krishna. It's a beautiful aspect of bhakti. You can do some service. Bring him a Fuji apple. <laughs> you know, you get an apple from someone and say, yeah, I'll offer this to Krishna. That's what devotees do. They, give you, they get some flowers and they go, I'll give it to Krishna. Because then you can really enjoy it. If you try to enjoy it directly, uh, the, the enjoyment is very temporary, short-lived. But if, if you bring it and offer it to Krishna, then you enjoy rasa, which is the relationship of love, of offering something nice to the Supreme. And you get the full benefit. So dasya is the first thing. How can I do some service? And remember I said the Hare Krishna mantra means, Oh my Lord, O oh energy of the Lord, please engage me in your service. So if you actually got some service to the Supreme, boy, what would that be like? Someone told me today that His Holiness Radnath Maharaj has a saying, if you, if, you wash, if you wash the pots, you'll be on top. So the sense of let, let me do some service to the Supreme, I'll wash, I'll wash the temple pots. That puts you in a superior position all of a sudden because you're doing dasya, you're doing some service. And then the relationships can also evolve from there into a sense of friendship. You want to know how to do that? Okay, five people said yes. Everyone else, cover your ears. Okay, so Prabhupada gives the secret in the Nectar Devotion. He says, if you go out and teach about Krishna consciousness, then you become Krishna's friend. So you go out, you invite a bunch of people to have prasadam, and you have a little talk, and you say, guess what? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and this is what he looks like, and he's got a name that's in a mantra, and you can sing it, and, and you'll be happy. So you teach a simple thing, and then you become Krishna's friend. In the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, those people are doing, doing that, they're teaching other people, they're my friends. These are the people guaranteed. They're, they're, they're my friends. So you can develop this, uh, what is called, sakya, sakya ras. So you go from dasya, I want to do a little service. Then you get really close to Krishna, friendly, by going out. For instance, if you teach Bhagavad Gita, let's just say you find out where a bunch of people are congregating like yesterday, there was a huge convention up in Northern California for all the people that grow marijuana. It's quite a busy place. It's a $8 billion a year industry. It's bigger than almonds. And lots of people there to find out about it. And lots of very serious professional people. And let's just say, he said, I'll go up there and we'll distribute a truckload of Bhagavad Gita to all the people up there. Just stop people and say, hey, take a look at this. And this is one of the ways that Prabhupada describes how you become a friend to Krishna. After all, what do friends do? They go around and they do things for their friends. And then there are other rasas, like parental rasa, where you start feeling like Krishna is mine, just like parents have for their kids. These are my kids. And so the, the devotee starts to get attached to Krishna and think like, you know, he's, he's mine. I'm going to take care of him. And he's dependent on me, even. 
These are uh, uh, highly advanced devotional sentiments. And then there's a rasa called Madhurya, where one starts to experience uh, like romantic emotional love for God. This is a science. And when one enters into this, into the, this rasa, one has a higher taste. So he or she becomes so preoccupied with serving Krishna in various ways, in a, with these, this mood, overall mood of service and love, that he or she uh, stays in the material world and acts expertly. There's enlightened engagement with the world, but is, is not so interested in the world. So he or she is uh, eating to live and not living to eat. So now there's time for a couple of questions. It's hard to generate questions, huh? Yes, Krishna. And then Anandamarari Prabhu. Thank you, Shri Gurudev, for the class. Uh, I have a question. Um, in the third chapter, it says, Prakriti uh, Kriyamanani, that material nature is the doer and living entity is not. Then why he gets karma? Yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> this also means that. So what he's saying is in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that a person who's foolish thinks that I'm doing everything, but actually it's being carried out by the, by the three modes of material nature. So the way that Krishna explains throughout the Bhagavad Gita that we become implicated is we identify ourselves as the doers, even though material nature is doing it. So we still have responsibility because we're not dead stones. It's not that we don't do anything. You can verify that from the 18th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says there's five factors to every action. And one of them is the will of the living, living being and it all gets facilitated through the machine of the material energy, of the body made of material energy, uh, through the demigods, with whom we have a symbiotic relationship and they're helping to fulfill our desires. They're also locked into the material nature and their relationship is in helping us, kind of like prison guards helping out prisons, prisoners. And, and then there's ultimately the super soul who sanctions it uh, according to the desire of the living entity. So you can see by the opposite example, when Krishna mentions Brahman yadaya karmani sangam tyakva karotiya lipyatena sapapena padma patram ivambasa that when you become aware that you're not your body and then you do your work, you're working in the, in the world, cooperating with the material nature, using your will, but you're not claiming anything to be yours. Sangam tyakva karotiya so he says, uh, you give up the sangha, that these are my things. You're using them in service rather than claiming them to be yourself, you, to, to be yours. Then uh, you no longer create karma. You're not a part of the material world because that requires intention, that you're claiming the result for yourself. And that's also verified in the following verse after Prakriti Kriyamanani, which is Tatvivit tu Mahabaho, Gunakarma Vibhagayo, Gunaguneshuvartanta, Iti Matva Nasajite. Can we look at that verse, please? I think it's 
28. Is everyone okay? Look at this. Tatvavit. So a tatvavit is somebody who knows tatva. Remember I mentioned tatva? Tatva means there's different categories of energy and they're all different and there's different results from engaging with different kinds of energies. So he knows uh, how everything fits in the world. I'm a soul. I'm in a material body. Material world's being run by uh, superior forces, even though it's inferior nature. He knows all these things. And then to Mahabaho, that's, that's Krishna speaking to Arjuna, and he's calling his friend mighty-armed, because he's a warrior. And then he says, Guna karma vibhagayo guna guneshu vartanta iti matva nasajate. Let's look at the synonyms. So guna karma of works under material nature, vibhagayo, differences, guna, senses, guneshu, incense gratification, vartante, are being engaged, iti, thus, matva, thinking, na, never, sajate, becomes a, a, attached. You want to hear the per verse in purport? If you do, you're very fortunate because if you want to hear Bhagavad Gita, then you're going to make advancement in spiritual life. Here it is. One who is in knowledge of the absolute truth, O mighty armed, does not engage himself in the senses and sense gratification, knowing well the differences between works in devotion and work for fruit of results. You see, there's still work. The, the, the verb is work. You're still working. But the intention is different. One's for devotion, and the other one's for fruit of result. Purport. The knower of the absolute truth is convinced of his awkward position in material association. He knows that he is part and parcel of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, and that his position should not be in the material creation. He knows his real identity as part and parcel of the Supreme, who is eternal bliss and knowledge. And he realizes that somehow or other he is entrapped in material conception of life, in the material conception of life. In his pure state of existence, he is meant to dovetail his activities in devotional service to the Supreme Personality of God at Krishna. He therefore engages himself in the activities of Krishna consciousness and becomes naturally unattached, I like that, naturally unattached, to the activities of the material senses, which are all circumstantial and temporary. He knows that his material condition of life is under the supreme control of the Lord, consequently is not disturbed by all kinds of material reactions, which he considers to be the mercy of the Lord. According to Srimad Bhagavatam, one who knows the absolute truth in three different features, namely Brahman, Paramatma, and the Supreme Personality of God, it is called Tattvavit, for he knows also his own factual position in relationship with the Supreme. So the problem comes when one identifies oneself as the doer. And this can be given in a simple analogy, which I think you'll like very much, and that is the bank teller. Bank teller counts millions of dollars a day, goes through his hands. If he takes one dollar out of the stack, one dollar, and says, I'll just keep one dollar. I need a pack of gum later. Can you buy a pack of gum for a dollar? All right, five dollars. Takes five dollars out of the stack, says, I'm going to buy a pack of gum later for, <laughs> for myself. 
He's fired. It's on camera. He took one five dollars, but there was millions of dollars here. Yeah, but you blew it. You, this is not tut vit. You don't know the categories of energy. That's not yours. You're the one who counts it. You don't get to keep it. So in the Prakriti Kriya Manani, this, the sense is that this is mine and I'm doing it. Where Tatvavit, a person knows the energies, like these aren't mine. I'm the servitor energy. These are all energies to be used in the service of the Supreme. Then that person doesn't become entangled. Just as the bank teller doesn't pay taxes on any of that. He counts $10 billion. That'd be a lot. Uh, <laughs> he counts $100,000. But he doesn't pay any tax on it because he never really touched it because his intention wasn't, it's somebody else's energy. It's not mine. So the devotee sees the world like that. It's all paraphernalia to be used in the service of the Lord. Therefore, he never becomes entangled in it. He's tatvavit. He understands the categories of energy and doesn't get implicated by trying to steal stuff. Okay. The question challenge is still on the board. Can you ask one more question, or is it really difficult? Yes, Prabhu. Then we'll definitely chant. Hare Krishna. I think I like your point, as you mentioned, that you offered an apple in your school um, to the Lord. So how do we really encourage uh, people, those who are coming um, recently or during book distribution also the carries. So how do they offer? I mean, what is the process? Generally, we offer it to the deities, then we can prasadam, but on the road, on the street, or on the fly. So give some tips so that people know in a circumstantial situations, how do you offer f food to the Lord? Well, one thing I do know is that people like to get prasadam. You know, we were, we were downtown San Francisco on Black Friday. I think we had every corner covered. People didn't get out of there without Prasadam or Hare Krishna or a stack of books, which is kind of nice. And I saw there were some security guards that had to stay in front of the bank, but they were watching the devotees serve Prasadam and lots of people coming by and getting these heaping plates full of beautiful Prasadam. I mean, it's beautiful even from a distance, Prasadam and the vibration around it. You know, the devotees are so beautiful, they're there serving it out. It's like, take, take. And, and so people are walking away with these huge plates of prasadam, and the security guards couldn't leave their post. They were stuck there in the bank, and they were like, <laughs> looking over. So when I was walking by, and then I, go, I said, yeah, goes, can you get me one of those? And I said, yeah, of course, I'll get you one. And you know, I brought it over, and then his friends were looking, like, can we get one too? <laughs> so this is one of the ways that uh, people can become introduced to, to the beauty of the spiritual world. There's an aesthetic in the spiritual world that uh, comes from the consciousness. So when you cook food in full consciousness with love for, for Krishna, and you serve it that way too, then uh, that way means with love and appreciation that it's not ordinary food, then uh, people get this uh, spiritual charge from taking the prasadam. And they also develop a relationship. Anybody who feeds you, you get a relationship with them. You know, if you feed an animal, just try it on your way home. 
here, kitty, come here. You want something? You know, it's like, meow. And then, hey, there's a cat at our door. It's like, did you feed him? Yeah, yeah I fed him. Yeah, that happened to me. There was a cat in our backyard. It was there for, for at least a year and a half, black and white cat. And it was always afraid of me. I'd come back there and, and she'd run away to the other side of the yard. No matter what I said, it's like, hey, I'm just chanting. You know, you can sit here and listen if you want. And uh, so it kind of it bothered me a little bit, though, you know, because... <laughs> so one day, it was after uh, uh, Janmashtami and Vyasapuja, and there was some sweet rice. I had maha sweet rice. And so it, it's summertime, right? So the cat was sleeping under my um, gardenia bush. It's a nice little savanna-like, you know, situation for the cat. Cats like, cats like that. So, I snuck up on her when she was sleeping in the hot sun. You know, all furry in the hot sun. So I brought this a little a paper plate with uh, this nectarian sweet rice, and uh, I got really close to her. And by the time she opened her eyes, I was already right there with the plate like in front of her mouth. And like she looked at me like, my God. And she looked down and saw there's something neat. But you know how like you're just waking up and you're like you don't have your full facility, faculties yet? She was like that. So then she just put out her tongue and started eating the sweet rice. And from that day forward, I'd come out of the house and she'd run up to me, <laughs> follow me around, rubbing against my leg and everything. And I couldn't get rid of her after that. That's how we spread the Krishna consciousness movement. <laughs> People don't exactly <laughs> People don't exactly know what hit them, but when you you know it's it's a movement of love, a, a loving exchanges. It's very it's visceral actually. People experience it when they take prasadam. They may not know how to offer it at first. That's a little more sophisticated. It requires a little more spiritual technology to come to that point. Read Bhagavad Gita. Get some understanding of tattva of what is what, what are the different energies, who am I, who's the supreme, and so forth. Uh, but they can definitely take prasadam, and I recommend it, uh, that if you carry uh, some prasadam in your bag, wherever you go, like lollipops are not a bad idea. Prabhupada, in 1972, Batu Gopal Prabhu, this was in Cleveland, Ohio, he saw the Salvation Army uh, giving out candy canes for donations. And then he thought, well, let's do that too, because they look like they're doing pretty good. And uh, devotees back then were trying to figure out how to uh, financially support the Krishna conscious movement, because all you guys weren't here yet. And so, you know, he tried it too, taking some candy canes out, and somebody, as usual, complained. A devotee, another devotee said, uh, hey, that's bogus. And... <laughs> At that time, you could write to Prabhupada, said somebody's doing something bogus, so they did. So then Prabhupada uh, heard the whole, both sides of the story, and he said, what is the harm? He said, in Indian temples, we buy simple sugar candies from the market, and then we offer it to the deity, and then distribute. He said, you can do it too. So he, he authorized, uh, he said, you can offer these simple uh, lollipops, candy canes, things like that. Just make sure that they're clean, that's all. Offer them to, he said you could even offer them to the deity. So you could, that's a thing you can do. 
And everybody likes lollipops. You take a lollipop out and hand it to somebody, it makes their whole day. Best thing that ever happened to them that day. Monkeys too, you know, they're foraging. They're all angry, looking at you like, you know, you got anything I can break or steal? And you f flip them a lollipop and they're, they're like, all right, I'll let you go. And it's good to carry lollipops around or any kind of prasadam and distribute it. And uh, places where devotees distribute prasadam, like in Dallas, you know Kalachanji's? You ever been in that restaurant? It's first class. Tamal Krishnamaraj, everything he did was first class. So he started that restaurant and that temple. And it's beautiful. And I went a, a couple of years ago, we went door to door over a wide area around uh, the Dallas area. And we just opened the door and had a little card that says Kalachanjis on it. They say, Kalachanjis, come on in. <laughs> Everyone was our best friend. So prasadam distribution is a really good idea. And one should also honor prasadam. Whatever food you have at home, you know, d don't get all passionate. Uh, and eat like a like a bear. Bears just like they'll tear your door open from your car, and then just grab all the groceries and stuff them in their mouth. You know, if you go to Yosemite, they have pictures. Your car's like a little tin can for for a grizzly bear. You just <laughs> grab the groceries, just stuff them in their mouth. So don't be like that. Just stop for a minute and say, Hare Krishna, I offer this to you, my dear Lord. And then it becomes a spiritualized process, and you come to the human level really fast. So it's highly recommended to honor prasadam, offer boga to Krishna. Boga means food that's not offered. And then uh, have spiritual food instead. And with that, we're going to try a little chanting. Is that all right? So Gary Rajmar sent out an article about how, did you read it? He was about chanting Hare Krishna. So there's a few prayers that one can say before one chants Hare Krishna. And one of them is this, uh, what we call a pranam mantra, offering respects to Srila Prabhupada, because he brought us the mantra. And so... If you sing this mantra, and then the one after it, which is to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is Krishna himself, but he brought the mantra to the world and distributed it, uh, then you're able to chant the, the Maha Mantra with purity. It removes any obstacles from the chanting. So Giri Arshmarsh wrote an article about the importance. Of, he related a story of somebody who had been in prison and... Uh, it was, it was a, a dire situation in the prison. They were in a country where being a devotee was illegal. And the, the prison people were trying to make the person give up Christian consciousness. So they, they brought in some um, sinister type people into the prison. And when the devotee who was, who was incarcerated there was chanting... When, uh, when he started chanting Hare Krishna and then Sri Krishna Chaitanya, then the situation was the same, but he started with the Pranam Mantra, Nama Om Vishnu Padaya that you see here. And he said then this situation transformed. I may not be doing justice to the story because it's kind of a 
interesting story to say the least. But um, the point was that there's a protocol to chanting. And if you start with this mantra and then do Sri Krishna Chaitanya, then the Hare Krishna mantra, then the, the path to, to pure chanting will be open. We're celebrating the Bhagavad Gita this month. We have a goal to distribute 2.2 million Bhagavad Gitas globally. We've literally been on the phone uh, from one time zone to the next in the G7. You know what that is, right? The seven continents of the world, including Antarctica, still looking for a volunteer. And uh, together, as a world team, we're distributing uh, large numbers of transcendental literatures to the world in many different languages. Tonight, we'll be starting in earnest our celebration of Bhagavad Gita. There's ways in which people all over the planet are joining in. Corporations are sending their requests. They'd like to be part of it. People are clamoring tonight, uh, all day, yesterday and today. People have been calling in saying, when can I get involved and help in this campaign here at ISV, which is a mere drop in the bucket we're doing in the world. What are we doing? 50,000 Bhagavad Gita's? 60,000 only. By the way, that fills up this whole temple room. And uh, it's been happening regularly, books coming in. So um, yes, everybody who's been calling, uh, we're, we're going to have some opportunity for everyone who wants to help. Uh, you'll have a little chance tonight, a small window of opportunity uh, that we uh, may not be able to accommodate everybody. But we'll, we'll try to open a few more spaces where people who want to help uh, to, to do this uh, great work of covering the earth uh, with Bhagavad Gita. Uh, we cover, how does it go? We, we cover the earth just like the sun when we can assume it can be done. So we're going to show you tonight, the, um, we're going to play you a tune. We do have a warning ahead of time that when you hear it, it'll get stuck in your head. You won't, keep, won't be able to stop singing it. But at the same time, you'll feel very encouraged in your life. That's coming up soon, tonight, actually. A hit tune that just dropped yesterday and now is sweeping the world. So get ready. And much, much more, everybody. So we're going to put away all the seats back there, and we'll roll up this rug and make a dance floor available for everybody. And we'll chant Hare Krishna and dance to our heart's content. Thank you very much. Vanchakalpadurvishchakripasandabhevichapatitanam bhavanibhyo vishnavibhyo namo namaha.